Who is Jesus? Down through the years, through the, through the centuries, through the millennium since Jesus walked the hills of Galilee and Judea, this has been an important question. A very, very important question. It's been talked about, it's been written about, been debated, this question. Being talked about even today in very, very many ways. Everyone is asked the question, who is Jesus? Many have answered. Many still have yet to answer. There is a famous message of Billy Graham. You can find it on YouTube. They say that it is his best sermon ever. And I don't know how you, you know, classify Billy Graham's sermons and put them in order of like the great, the greatest sermon ever. Uh, but evidently there's a sermon that he preached called Who is Jesus? And it's among his best. This is a topic of discussion even among political pundits and commentators today. If you want to watch an interesting discussion, watch the Sunday special with Ben Shapiro, the one that just aired recently when he had Pastor John MacArthur as his guest. Just that's all I'll say. Just go to YouTube, put it in, sit back for the hour and just take it all in. MacArthur, I'll just give you, it's not a big spoiler or anything, but MacArthur just lays out for Ben, who is a practicing Jew, but lays out for him just very, and it's just an awesome presentation of the person of Jesus Christ. But everyone, everyone has to answer this question. I want to show right now, and I don't often do this, but I want to break away to a video, special video of someone who's asked the question and answers the question. I look to the scriptures for poetic truth, um, as well as the sort of historical stuff I'm, I'm, I'm in, interested in. And of course, there was a hyster, historical Jesus. You know, I'm talking about God. Oh, right. And, and do well, you, I see, I'm, I'm, the, per, the person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God. Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray? To in Christ. Way? To Christ. Yeah. And, and what do you pray for? I pray to get to know um, the will of God, because then the prayers have more chance of coming true. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. There's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We have a very big bed in our house. And all our, we've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just... We, we read the scriptures, we pray. It's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go when the church has ended and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. And For peace and quiet. And we'll pray usually about people that we know who are struggling with something, um, illness so, or so whatever. So then what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, a, you know, because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. 
No, no, nuts. Nuts. Yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, I so therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, I've no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do. I look to the scriptures for poetic. Amen. Amen. Everyone is asked the question. Everyone must answer the question. In the midst of his ministry, Jesus, there came that time when Jesus asked his own disciples the question. He said, who do men say that I am? And then he would ask them, who do you say that I am? In, in our passage that we're going to look at, one of my favorites of all the Bible, John chapter 1, the Apostle John answers the question in John chapter 1 of who is Jesus. And the answers he provides are pivotal for each of our lives and very important to understanding what Jesus' message is and what he did. The Apostle John tells us that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the creator, and that Jesus is the Savior. So let's take a look at this. He is God. Let's take it and look at it. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. I want to stop right there. The debate over who Jesus is has been going on for 2,000 years. As Bono said in the clip, the Pharisees believed he was a blasphemer. Some say he was a great man, a great leader, a philosopher, a thinker, a teacher. Some said he was a prophet. But what does the Bible say? And who did Jesus claim to be? The Bible proclaims, the New Testament proclaims, and I believe that it is corroborated in the Old Testament, and that's kind of what we're laying out in this series, is that from cover to cover, the Bible declares who Jesus is. And right here in our text... John takes us back to the beginning of the universe and he calls Jesus the word and he begins his gospel by saying in the beginning. And so when you read that John chapter one, verse one in the beginning, John is wanting you to remember the opening of the book, the, the book of Genesis. Amen. In the beginning, he's wanting to take you back to that place. And he calls Jesus the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Now the Word there 
in, we have it as the word, but in the Greek, it is the word logos. Logos, right? L-O-G-O-S is the transliteration of the word there. And he says, in the beginning was the logos. Now, what this tells us about whoever this logos is, is that the logos is pre-existent, right? Whoever it is, he's pre-existent. He, 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 he existed all the way back in the beginning. In fact, before the beginning, right? Then he goes about to say that the logos is God. The logos was with God. The logos is God. He gets round to basically saying that Jesus is this Logos. Amen? Yes. You read this first chapter, it's not like some type of a mystery. It's not, sorry, it's not like he's writing it in such a veiled way to keep it from the reader. I mean, he, he's wanting to say it in a powerful way, but he's saying it very clearly. That Jesus is the Logos, and therefore Jesus is God. It says he was with God in the beginning, and the Logos was God. So John understood the Logos to be pre-existent, and he understood the pre-existent relationship of the Godhead, right? So you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have the, the three persons of the Trinity existing outside of time from before the creation of the world. And so you have the Logos. And Really, it says, and the word was God. In the beginning, in the beginning, let's, let's, let's read it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Here is one of the most clear proclamations in the Bible that Jesus is God. Now, there, there is a group, a particular group, that... Um, that will knock on your door. <laughs> and I've had discussions with these folks and they have a translation of the Bible where they have inserted some language into the text that is not in the original manuscripts. And on this particular verse, they have ins inserted a word where they say, and the, and the Logos was a God. But that's not what it says in the original language. It says, and he was God. The Logos is God. Um, and so there's no A. The A isn't there. Jesus is divine. Jesus is the Logos. Jesus is really Theos or God, right? So, and then you go through the ministry of Christ, not only do you have the declaration that we have here in the first two verses of John's gospel, but you look at the, the life of Christ and you have these moments, these kind of moments in time in the, in the ministry of Christ and the preaching and the teaching of Christ where he basically, not basically, I mean, he declares who he is, amen? You know, and one of those places is in John. I mean, I love John because it's a really, it's a gospel that the goal of it is to show you that Jesus is the son of God, that he is divine, that he is the logos. And so he lays it out here from the beginning. But if you skip down to chapter 10, you don't have to, I'll have the verse on the screen. It's John chapter 10, verse 30, where Jesus says this, I and my father are one. 
I and my Father are one. And then in another instance, in John chapter 8, and we actually reference this in one of our other messages, and I talk about this in the first chapter of my book, who is Jesus? Jesus told the Pharisees in this long discussion that he has with them in John chapter 8, where he's actually laying out the legal case for his identity, and he gets down to the end of it, and they're in this discussion about Abraham, and he says in John chapter 8, verse 58, You'll see it on the screen. Before Abraham was, I am. So here you have a man standing on planet earth, talking to these Pharisees and saying to them, before Abraham was, I am. And they're like, you're nuts. You're crazy. So, so right. So Bono had it right. He, he's either, it's, and it's a, it's a presentation made, I believe first by C.S. Lewis. It's the three L's. He's either, he's either Lord, liar, or lunatic, right? So those are the three choices. He's, Jesus is either the Lord, he's a liar, or he's a nutter, like you know, Bono said. <laughs> and I don't believe he's a nutter. And he's, he's not a liar. And so that makes him Lord. Before Abraham was, I am. And so here, G Jesus, not only did he claim to be one with the Father, but he claimed to be the covenant God. Because he says, before Abraham was, I am. In the Greek, it's called the ego ami. It's the I am. He's declaring himself to be the I am. And how you know uh, that that is actually the point of Jesus' statement is if you read the end of, if you read the next following verses, they immediately picked up stones to, to kill him, right? And, um, and of course, he, he slips away. And then in another place, here in John's gospel, John chapter 14, Jesus spoke to one of his disciples, Philip, who asked him, he asked him this, Jesus, show us the Father. This is what the disciple Philip asked. He said, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said to him, in John 14, 9, I'll have it on the screen behind me. He said this, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? Wow. But then he goes on. Verse 10, he says, do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me? And the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Wow. Here Jesus making very crystal clear um, that relationship that he has with the Father in, that, in the relationship of what we would call the community of the Trinity, right? Um, and so you say, well, look at this presentation that Jesus makes. I mean, what, what have we been going here for just a few minutes? And we've already been through all this material and somebody can just pick up the Gospel of John tonight, anybody, and read it and, 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 and come to this conclusion. But as much of the gospel, as much as the word, as much as uh, the church is involved in evangelism, there are people that have heard this message, but yet they just kind of step right over it. They step right over it. Maybe they just kind of, the question is asked, but they don't answer the question. I want to take you back to, I don't know, this was uh, probably 
when Trey was like about, I don't know, one or two years old, we were moving out of this apartment. And, um, and I, we were looking for something and um, I, had, I had misplaced, and, and this was evidently so important to me at the time. Looking back, I'm just kind of like, ah, okay. <laughs> but it was my college degree, you know, that was all, you know, in the presentation where you feel like you want to put it up on a wall. Like today, I don't even know where it is. But at the time, <laughs> it was very important, right? And I remember like, where is it, where is it, where is it? And we, we scoured the house and I had Mary Jo up in arms over this and we were just going, we were going into all the rooms. We were going, we were just going through boxes. There was a box, this apartment that we had was one of those apartments. I don't know, I, if I'm ever in an apartment, it will never be one like this. The one where you go in and then go up the stairs as soon as you walk, forget though, that's junk. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoever designed that type of stuff. That just doesn't even make sense. Number one, you want to be on a ground floor or with um, an elevator. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and I got some major amens and agreement on that. <clears throat> um, but there was this box that was sitting on the, the, one of the steps of those stairs. And I had gone past it several times just in a frantic mess trying to find and uh and i even looked in into this box and and something caused me to go back to the box and and then i noticed upon closer inspection that that what i was looking for was actually face down on the bottom of the box so that it blended in and looked like it was the bottom of the box but there it was the whole time and this is the problem, I think, with many people that they have gone past it many times. They have gone over it. They, they, they are trying to find something in their life. They're trying to find the answer. And they have perhaps looked even in that place and still have somehow missed the power, the truth, the revelation of who Jesus is. And, and, and so... Um, th this is a problem. Th they continue looking for God everywhere. Maybe God is this person over here. Maybe God is in this tree. Maybe God, maybe I'm God. All kinds of different philosophies, right? You know, and you have to be careful when you look at all that. Sometimes it's poetic to say, look at all I saw. I looked at the tree and the wind blew and there was God. And it's like, well, you, you have to be careful or you get into like a, a kind of a pantheism and all that. So I just, you know, throw that out there. But anyways, you can miss the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus said to Philip was, I am declaring the Father to you. I, I, I and the Father are one. And you need to understand this. I am declaring the Father. In fact, later in the first chapter in John, I believe it's John 1.18, it actually says, Jesus explains God. He's, the, he's the, literally the exegesis of the Father. Uh, and and it's, a, it's, a, it's a powerful, powerful verse there, John 1, 18. Jesus' earthly father uh, had to come to understand who Jesus was. Joseph got a lesson about this right before the birth of Christ. Joseph found out that Mary, whom he was betrothed to, was pregnant, and he was going to, this was a, this was a scandal, this was a scandal that would later come up. The 
the Pharisees in different talks with Jesus actually would charge him of actually being a bastard child um, and, and actually have, having been conceived out of wedlock. Um, and so this is some of the argumentation that was made against him uh, in, in his time. Uh, and so, you know, Joseph was going to put him away, uh, put, her, put Mary away, uh, and uh, silently, the, the, the Bible tells us, but then an angel appeared to him in a dream. And the angel told him, all this was happening to fulfill what the prophets had spoken of. And the angel told Joseph, quoting from the prophet Isaiah, the, you see the, uh, the scripture there in Matthew chapter 1. This is where this is found in Matthew's gospel. Chapter 1, verse 23, I'll have it up on the screen for you. This is what he said, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And so this is actually, this is the prophets saying that there would be the son that would be born who would be Emmanuel, which is translated God with us, right? So the question tonight is then to you, to us, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? How will you answer the question? Is he God? And is he the Lord God in your life? Amen. But John moves on in this chapter. First, he, he makes the case Jesus is God. Secondly, Jesus is the creator. Let's pick it up in John chapter 1, verse 3. He says this, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came to bear witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the, that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. So John moves on. He, first, he makes the, the case that Jesus is God. Here, he moves on and makes the case Jesus is the creator. There in verse 3, verse 3, once again, he says, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So not only is Jesus God, but he's also the creator. He created everything. And he makes it pretty clear. Nothing that, look around, nothing that has been made was made by someone else. He did it. He made it. He is the creator. John was making the point that everything came into being through Christ and ultimately depends on him. And as the creator, then... It follows that all life comes through him. Amen? He made, he made the inanimate matter, right? And that's the question that, that people who are contemplating, that get around to understanding or contemplating the question, who is Jesus? You still, maybe they're, they're stuck on the, the science and and trying to, to come up with an explanation for the universe or the earth uh, or, or whatever without God. So um, the universe uh, came into being. We don't know how it did, but it's here. And then we had matter. But then you're still left with the question, well, then where did life come from? 
How did inanimate material become animate life, right? And not only that, but how, how do you explain human consciousness? How do you explain this level of life to where you have Bach and Beethoven and Shakespeare and on and on and on? It's, it's, it's an incredible thought. But here John says that he's the creator of all things and in him was life. Look at that verse 4. John says this. I'll throw it up on the screen behind me. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Now, John is not talking about the basic elements of life. He's not talking about, um, you know, a, he's not talking about, uh, you know, an amoeba, you know, in a primordial soup, okay? He's not, he's not talking about that. He's talking about the type of life that, that he, that Jesus brings to people who come into relationship with him. And the word there in the Greek is actually, it's a word, zoe. And, and so this is the word. In him was life. In him was zoe. And the zoe was the light of men. So the Greek term used for life is zoe. It, it is always used to describe the divine, eternal life in the gospel of John. And so if you read this gospel and you see this life that Jesus is talking about, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about the spark of the divine, the, the divine, uh, the, the, the life that, that one can have in Christ in a relationship with God. He would later say uh, that I am the way, the truth, and the, the life, right? I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus then is the creator of all life, the giver of all life, the giver of eternal life. And then Jesus is the light. As the creator, Jesus spoke, let there be light. And there was light. And as the giver of eternal life, his coming brought a light into the world. So you think of it. He is the creator. He's in him was life, and the life was the light of men. He said in the creation, the creation began, the, the days of creation, depending upon how you want to look at it, we, we don't want to go back into that whole thing. We just, you know, it's on the app, right? Okay. It's an audio commentary on the book of Genesis right there for you, okay? 66 messages. But he, he spoke that. He said, let, let there be light. And there was light. And then the prophets picked this up. It, you know, uh, they prophesied, arise, shine. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, the, the, the light is going to come. The light is going to dawn right. on you. You're, you're, you're going to sit in darkness, mm -hmm. but a light is going to dawn on you. And then that's the theme that John picks up here in the gospel. So you're, you're tracing it through the, from the creation to the prophets uh, to the, the advent of Christ as he came in was literally that light coming upon the darkness of the world. And uh, so, so it's, it's, it's just kind of a powerful concept um, that, that John is being, uh, that is being relayed to him, uh, to us through, through this gospel. And then I want to move on to the last point tonight, which is he is the savior. He's God, he's the creator, he's the savior. So let's pick it up, go back to the text and let's pick it up, verse 11. It says this, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. 
But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then I want to read one last verse there. I want to go to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So he is God, he is the creator, he is the savior. This person, Jesus, who is God, who is the creator, is also the savior. He came into the world for one purpose, to seek and to save that which was lost. You say, who's that? It's everybody. (laughs) We were all lost. We were all lost. The fact of the matter matter is that everyone is lost. Now, this is hard for some people to admit, you know? It's like a man in a car driving to the restaurant that we're supposed to meet the people at. Don't you know where we're going? Yeah, we're going to get there. We'll just put it in Google Maps. No, 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 we got it. We're going to be there. You, You don't want to admit it. You don't want to admit that you're lost, but it's, it's better if you go ahead and admit it. It's sooner rather than later. Amen? Sooner rather than later because you're just riding around, wasting a whole bunch of time, wasting precious time, right? And, and, and this, is the, this is the understanding we have to come to. In fact, the, the Bible says this about every person, right? Uh, you know, it, 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 through, the, through the prophet, Isaiah said, you know, we're all like sheep. We've gone our own way. You know, we've wandered off the path. Sheep are, uh, people are called sheep. We're, we're likened to sheep in the Bible. And sheep are, sheep need a shepherd. And if they don't have a shepherd, they'll just go and do, wander off into all kinds of craziness. There's actually a true story and you can Google this. I, th- I believe this happened in Turkey where you had this flock of sheep and um, they got too close to a cliff and one by one they started going over the cliff uh, and plunging down to their death. But so many of them just followed one another off the cliff that before long you had a pile of sheep at the, at the end and then they stopped dying because they were bouncing off the, uh, the later sheep. If you were later in following the other sheep off the cliff, you actually somehow survived the fall because now you were bouncing off the pile of sheep at the, at the bottom of the cliff. Don't try it. Don't try it. You don't know if you're going to make that. You don't know if you're going to make that fall. But we need help. We need a savior, right? We, we realize that, you know, without a savior, we're just like those sheep going off the cliff. We're just like the people who are lost uh, in trouble, wandering around. Tell you another quick story. This is going back many years too. Um, man, trying to remember even when this was, but uh, it was it was you know twenty some years ago. Uh, Mary Jo and I had spent uh, a holiday. We li- we were living in Newport News, Virginia. Anyone know where that is? New- Newport News. Yeah, that's where they build the ships, the carriers. Okay, the aircraft carriers are made in Newport News. Okay, and then across the bridge. Under the tunnel, you have the Norfolk Naval Base, the largest naval base in the world, right? 
And, uh, and so we lived in Newport News at the time, but we had driven up about two, two hour, two and a half hour drive up to a place in the center of Virginia called Lake Anna, where we had kind of a, you know, it's probably a Memorial Day. So it's kind of apt that I'm probably saying this. Maybe it was Labor Day, but it could have been Memorial Day. It, we'll just say it was Memorial Day. And, um, and so we went up there and we spent the day and then we had to have the two hour, two plus hour drive back at the end of the day. So we're all partied out. We've had all the hot dogs and fireworks and all that stuff. Maybe it was the 4th of July because it was fireworks. Okay. <clears throat> I do remember there was fireworks. Bobby, our cousin Bobby was, you know, he was this crazy guy that lit off fireworks and stuff. But maybe it wasn't the 4th of July because he was always doing fireworks. So I don't know. Um, where was I? Oh, we're driving home. We're driving home two hours across Virginia and we're driving down and all of a sudden I start noticing something going, going weird with the car. And we, we pull off this exit and we come all the way down the car, like halfway down the ramp shuts off. I coast down to the end of this ramp. We're in the middle of nowhere between Richmond and Williamsburg. Okay, if you know that area, that's kind of like back then 20 years ago. Now it's kind of filled in a little bit because of urban sprawl. Okay, but back then that was just nowheresville, right? So we come down to the end of this ramp and it's dark and it's, I, it's after midnight. I want to I say it's like it's 1, 1.30. I mean, it's not good. It's not a good scene. We coast into this gravel lot. And there's another car. And we look over and there's some people in the car. And we're like, oh, great, people. <laughs> and so we talked to them. And we said, well, what's wrong with you guys? How, what's going on? What are you doing in this lot at 1.30 in the morning? Oh, well, we're broke down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, great, well, we're broke down too. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, we've already called a tow truck. Like, oh, great. Maybe we can get, you know, he can take care of you guys. And then, uh, you know, he could figure that out for you and then come back and get us. And so we're like really in for the long, long night at this point, right? Tow truck finally gets there. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what was going through these people's minds. But they said, oh, no, we don't, we don't want the tow truck. You go ahead and take it. They passed on the tow truck. We were just like, okay, we need a tow truck. <laughs> the guy put our truck, our car, uh, which was a, which was a Subaru, because when you, when you married a Tropia girl, you got a Subaru too. Because <laughs> Sam, Sam bought all the girls Subarus, so if you married one of the Tropia girls, you got a Tropia girl and a Subaru. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, it was funny then, and it's funny now. <laughs> so we, he pulls, it's, he had one of those ramps, like where they fully pull the full car up onto the, the bed. We hop into the car. He literally drives us right to our apartment and drops us off. And there we were. And we're thinking the whole time, well, what about those other people? They're just going to stay out there in the gravel darkness of... Eternity? <laughs> you need a savior. Everyone needs a savior. Don't pass him by. Don't pass him up. 
accept him. He came into this world for one purpose, to seek and to save. But this text says that he came unto his own and his own didn't receive him. He came unto his own people and they passed him by. They said, no, we don't want you. We don't want you. And that's when John goes into the next verse and he says, and it's one of my favorite verses, all these verses here are some of my favorites, but John 1.12 has got to be one of my favorites where he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, Amen. to those who believe in his name, Amen. to as many as received him. Mm-hmm. You have to believe and receive. Amen. You have to believe upon Christ and you have to receive him. To as many as received him, and if you'll believe upon him and you'll receive him, you are given what I call the greatest right in the universe. Mm-hmm. Talk about the Bill of Rights, and those are some awesome rights that we have in the United States of America. Do not, do not ever take that document for granted, the Bill of Rights. Just study up and look at all the stuff that's going on around the world and look at all the other documents and, 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 and get down on your hands and knees and thank God that you're in the United States of America where you have a Bill of Rights uh, that are very important. But all those wonderful Bills of Rights pale in comparison to this right that is conferred upon every person who receives Christ. You're given the right to become the son or daughter of God. And then he goes on to explain this specifically in verse 13. He says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, what he's doing is comparing and contrasting how you were born. You were born the first time. You were born according to the flesh. You were born according to the will of a man and woman who got together, Mm -hmm. you know, one night, (laughs) right? I I have to tell you this because I just brought that up. I was born in March 1970 which means I was conceived in the summer of 69. (laughs) Everybody's old enough to know the song. Okay. Anyway, the summer of 69. We'll play it later. Uh, (laughs) Oh, it's too good, right? And I miss being born on Pi Day by this much, which would have been perfect for me. It was, you know, but anyways. We got Pi tonight. Okay, so that's good. So let's finish this up. Who is Jesus? Verse 14 is where it all all comes down to verse 14, where he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The logos who was with God in the beginning, who in fact was God, who in fact made all things, who in fact is the author of all life and the light of the world, it says became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we've been discussing these last many weeks. We have been talking about this place that God had commanded to be made in the wilderness called the Wilderness Tabernacle this tent, this dwelling, 
It was to be the dwelling of God in the midst of his people. And this is what we've been talking about. And we've talked about all the pieces of it. We've talked about the, the, the furniture. We've talked about the Ark of the Covenant and the table of showbread and the menorah, the candlestick. And we've talked about the golden altar of incense. We've talked about the bronze altar out front. We've talked about the bronze laver. We've talked about the veil. We've talked about the coverings. We've talked about the, the, the embroidery in the veil and all of it right? This tabernacle. And John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, comes down here in verse 14 of this first chapter, and he says, and the logos became flesh and dwelt among us. This word for dwelt in verse 14 is, in the Greek, it's the word skinu, which means to fix one's tabernacle. To have one's tabernacle, to abide or live in a tabernacle or tent. The dwelling of God in the Old Testament in the desert was a wilderness tabernacle. Tabernacle just as, means dwelling, to fix one's dwelling. He took on flesh and he dwelt among us, right? And so another way that you could say this you could say John 1:14, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us. He right. took on flesh. He put on flesh and became a man and he dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. The prophet Isaiah foretold that the son would be given. There's that verse in, in we look at it. We should look at it more, but we look at it every Christmas, right? For unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. The child is born, but the son is given. It's a distinction. The child is born, but a son is given. The pre-existent son, the second person of the Trinity, came and was born as a child. He put on flesh and tabernacled among us. Amen? Yes. He became man. He didn't become like a man. He became man. He put on flesh. He became what we call in theology the God-man and the person of Jesus. And it was prophesied centuries before that God, God's son would be given and that he would be called what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is exactly what happened when Jesus was born. Can you think about it? I want to take you back to Christmas right now. Christmas night. Christmas, you talk about Christmas in July, this is Christmas in May. On that night in Bethlehem, Jesus was born and he came into the world. He tabernacled. He, he, he began to dwell with men, right? He put on flesh. And so, and this is where Paul says, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He says it this way in 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, right? So a part of Christianity, a part of understanding Christianity, and you get into a denial of Christ, you get into a spirit of antichrist, you get into different um, heresies and things, the den denying um, the, the physical nature of Christ, that he came and dwelt among us. So John lays it out just in the first 14 verses, an incredible presentation. And we just makes you want to start John. Amen. He's God. He's the creator. 
He's the Savior. He came into this world to dwell among men, to, to live as the perfect sacrifice. And we just need to believe him. We just need to receive him. Yes, yes. We just need to confess him as Lord and believe upon, in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved.